my reasoning for bringing this into it is kind of like this is an area of industry 4.0 that needs to see more green energy use and needs to see those renewable energy sources being used to further the cause. Welcome back to For the Future. This is your host, Mark. And Michael. And today we are going to do a little dive into green energy and how it relates to Industry 4.0. But first, a little news. So today we got a couple of great topics for you. So on on YouTube, I found a new guy called uh, Mr. 3D Print. And he's put together a a really cool way to recycle uh, plastic water bottles. Um, maybe you've seen the videos before of people taking bottles and cutting them, the bottoms off and running them through like a draw knife and you can turn it into like a string of PET and people were wrapping up, you know, making chairs out of it and you can take a lighter to it and it'll tighten around whatever you're, um, mm. you've got it wrapped around. And so what he's doing is he's basically taken a little like a 3D printer extruder and like mounted it to a table. And he feeds it into there and, and draws it through, but it, it forms it into filament. And the interesting thing is, is typically uh, companies have to add a modifier to PET. That, so it'll be PETG or, or, or PCTG or a, a number of different um, plasticizers that'll go in to make a standard PET easier to print. And the interesting thing is he's had really good re- results with just directly recycled PET, which in general with plastics, it's pretty challenging to recycle them and get good results so that's kind of a it's a really interesting video to see and it's, it's very simple i mean just with a couple of spare parts um he was able to get some really and they, the, the biggest thing is he's got some really nice results too like the parts the printed parts looked awesome which is also not typical of um recycled plastics you've if you've ever if you've ever looked into the topic most people end up doing a blend of like fresh plastic with, you know, some recycled in there and it usually still doesn't work very well. Um, so it's really, really interesting that it works so well and you get really, really good results and it doesn't require expensive machinery. So that's a really cool one. If you're into the 3D printing space or recycling space, um, it's kind of a kind of big news. Um, so he's been, pr- he's been posting a video series. So go check that out if you're, if you're interested in that topic. Yeah, really nice. And it kind of relates to our green theme of today. And my bit of news also has that link to green energy. I saw an interesting article about this electric plane in the San Joaquin Valley, California, but it flew 200 miles on just electricity. So it's an electric airplane. They did have to make some pit stops, uh, but when they landed, they continued to charge the plane with solar energy. So they had like this, you know, I think they call it like a mobile charging station, but I think it's pretty large. It takes up like two parking spots, they say. But uh, they were able to charge the airplane and they did like a round trip, 220 miles in an all electric two seater airplane. So nothing crazy, but got to start mm-hmm. somewhere. So I think that was a yeah. that's pretty cool to see. Hopefully, you know, different industries moving to renewables. Yeah, I think that'll be where it starts, right? Those, those little bush planes converting to electric and, you know, just going 100 miles or so and um, going from there. But that's a that's a trend I've seen, too, with like uh, the whole van life thing is people right. will tow behind like like a giant solar array or like people have fold out solar arrays on the roof um, of the car or the van so that, you know, 
the surface area, like the top of a, of a van or a car isn't that big, but they'll like have these big trifolds that will, you know, stilt out and kind of become like the roof of like a little, um, tent or whatever. Yeah. And that generates enough power to like really take care of like running, you know, AC units and stuff like that. So kind of an interesting concept there too. So I wonder, um, what that, that tow along looks like. I'm from what you're saying, it sounds like it might be something like that. Um, yeah. You know, it gets pulled by a truck and just brought it to the airfield. But imagine if each airfield had, you know, just had a solar array, you know, out yeah, like their own like solar farm there on site. Yeah. That, yeah. Just plug in, charge up, you know? Yeah, true. And now on to today's main topic, you know, green energy and how that relates to industry 4.0. And one thing that I saw and I've, I've seen in kind of the news as well is blockchain and energy use. And, you know, people are saying that, you know, all this, you know, even crypto mining and different things with NFTs are just consuming incredible amounts of energy. And that's just right, Michael, just mm-hmm. from the mining. I'm not going to pretend to be a uh, blockchain expert <laughs> at all. And I think you might have just a little yeah. more expertise or just knowledge in this area. But it's just like you have to mine all of this crypto and the crypto is mm-hmm. used for NFTs. And so it's all kind of like a circle. And so people are saying, well, yeah, this is a cool new technology and, and way of payment and decentralization but it's also Mm -hmm. you know quote unquote another thing that's killing our planet or you know just not not green at all yeah well and and two of the problems is i mean essentially what you're doing when you're mining crypto is you're just running a computer with a whole bunch of graphics cards and just making it solve math problems over and over you know just just trying to solve algorithms for like kind of for no reason right it's just a made up math problem for the whole thing to solve which just you're running computers and generating tons of heat. You know, if you've got a, a pretty powerful desktop, you know that in the winter um, that can actually just be like a space heater for your apartment. I mean, it's it <laughs> yeah. can really heat up your room and keep your room uh, warmer if you're playing games or whatever. Um, I mean, you know, you look at your your uh, your power supply for your computer. I mean, it's a five or six hundred watt power supply. That means it's a five or six hundred watt space heater essentially at the end of the day, right? Um, so right. there's that. And then the other piece of it that people really don't like is a lot of crypto mining happens in China. And China is primarily, you know, the areas that are doing the mining are primarily powered by coal. So that's uh, kind of the, the big rub is that. Um, and so now they're trying to work on like, oh, mining will happen in areas with green energy. So they'll talk, they'll call it like green crypto and stuff. But that's one of the big problems is that not only is it generating massive amounts of heat, but the energy that where that energy is coming from to run those computers is also coming from coal or, um, you know, just fossil fuels in general, which is obviously not ideal, uh, because the energy is cheap there. Right. So that's a big draw. I mean, if, if you've ever looked into mining crypto, um, the, the equation cycles around, you know, how much energy are you going to use? You know, how many kilowatts of extra power are you going to put on your, on your power bill? And can you mine enough crypto to the point where you'll, pay for that right so yeah you try to optimize and go somewhere where one where it's cold and two energy is cheap so the other big place uh fun fact is like greenland greenland mm. has a ton of crypto mining up there because it's cold so they just open it you know they just draw on cold air to cool the machines down right and <laughs> they have lots of um underground like uh thermal energy in, in the earth from all the volcano activity and yeah. they just they just use that to generate electricity. So energy is super duper cheap up there because they've got tons of um, of ground thermal energy to use for um, making electricity, which is fun fact. So huh. that's another area that, but that's actually a pretty green technology, right? I mean, there's 
that's just heat from the ground to make mm-hmm. electricity. So that's actually really efficient. But anyway. Yeah. So I feel like this episode, we're going to be kind of attacking this link between green energy and industry 4.0 in different ways. And so my reasoning for bringing this into it is kind of like this is an area of industry 4.0 that needs to see more green energy use and needs to see those renewable energy sources being used to further the cause. And then, you know, later in this episode, we'll talk about areas that are using green energy for industry 4.0. So I just want to kind of make the clarification if people are like, oh, why did you bring up this in this episode? I'm just trying to like say, yeah, this is an area that is in dire need of, you know, especially NFTs are still super popular. And I think it'll be a popular way of, Mm -hmm. you know, buying art and different things like that. And so we need to see an increase in our renewables in that area. So Michael, you were talking about some sort of drone, uh, autonomous drone use for linking this clean energy and industry 4.0 together. Would you mind explaining what's going on here? Well, one of the interesting things, I mean, you can already look it up and, you know, wind energy and solar energy especially are a lot lower cost than Mm. fossil fuels. It's already like per dollar per kilowatt hour, not with subsidies and whatever. Um, It's already lower cost per kilowatt. So now we're getting to the point where some of these systems have been in the field for 10, 15 years. So now you're kind of getting into those like, you know, when you look at like solar panels for their roof, they'll claim things can last 20, they'll give you like a 25 year warranty or a 30 year warranty, right? Well, how do you ensure that that stuff is going to keep running at peak efficiency? Well, if solar panels get dust on them and it covers them up, they can't get light, right? So they don't they right. run as well. Um, so one of the big things to keep solar panels running efficiently is to go and like get the hard water stains off of them and mm. to knock snow off of them in the winter or to you know clear dust and debris. So there's a lot of companies that are popping up that are using drones um, and they'll either have like basically a pressure washer system on the bottom of them or like an air hose and they'll go up there and uh, <laughs> and they'll actually um, go up there and just blow whatever's on the solar panels and just clean them off. So they're using it for that. And that's I've seen it in residential, but also for like commercial farms. Now imagine if you had square miles of solar panels that you had right. to manage and it's in the desert somewhere and it's dusty. Um, so they're using autonomous drones to just go down the rows of the solar panels and clean them off to keep them running efficiently. So that's a really cool use case there. The other one is doing like inspection on wind turbines. So they'll fly them up and use camera systems and, and check to make sure because wind turbines, they're giant composite structures. And as as the systems are, as the blades are turning, they'll contact particles in the air and um, there'll be buildup on the blades and that leads to deficiencies, right? And also yep. it'll, the, the sand and the grit and stuff and that's just in the air um, because those, the tips of the blades are traveling so fast. Like hundreds of miles an hour, contact. right? Yeah, well, they yeah. designed them to just stay under the speed of sound. So, Jeez. you know, you can imagine... Yeah, you think of like a, a helicopter prop. I mean, it's turning super fast, and that's why it's yeah. loud. Is because it's breaking the sound. They try to keep it just under that sound barrier. Speed. Well, when things get really long and they're turning, you know, that tip speed can get really fast, really quickly. If you think back to like your physics class. So, right. um, so anyway, so they do wear. They break down and wear down. And one of the things that can help with that is if they go up and clean those off, but also those drones can go and inspect and look for damage, um, so that they can go in there and repair that. Um, Because I know that's one of the big that's one of the big picks, I guess, or one of the uh, you know criticisms of wind turbines right now is at the moment they're not lasting as long as everyone thought they would. Um, When you put, especially like when you put them in 
in like ocean environments, right. that's another another case where they're not lasting nearly as long as um, like the salt spray and stuff is really hard on the composites. And um, most engineers and stuff assumed that the composite would handle really well because it's not it's not steel, it won't rust, right? Well, they're finding the composite breaks down um, in different ways. So it's important to keep that stuff running and keep it safe so it doesn't fall apart and crack, you know, um, to keep doing inspections and make sure that stuff is performing. Yep. I think we did, maybe we covered this actually in an earlier episode, but we talked about drones and like preventative maintenance. And I think there was like drones Mm -hmm. that had like the file of like, you know, what the uh, air turbine like looks like. And so it goes to certain points on the air turbine and, you know, takes pictures of certain areas that are prone to defects and stuff. Maybe we didn't talk about this or not. I'm trying to remember. I think... I think you're right. I think we talked about like doing inspections more on like plants it, like, and three, stuff though. Like wasn't like gas, oh. like like natural gas lines and stuff, wasn't it? Maybe. Along those lines. Yeah, but just having like a, a, a file of, you know, just like the schematics mm-hmm. of a wind turbine. It's like, oh yeah, I got to fly 300 feet, go in 20 feet and take a picture here. Man, I don't know if I'm just making that up or if that's something we've actually talked about. But anyway, yeah, that's, that is very right. interesting. And it's like, it always blows me away how cool drones are and i'm like man there's no way that a drone can fly around by itself and clean off wind turbines or and clean off like mm-hmm. solar panels as well and then i think about like you know the super bowl show where they have like hundreds yeah. of drones flying in like a synchronized pattern I'm like oh yeah it's probably pretty easy yeah, to have like, one go they don't down crash into each other and, yeah yeah it's they're actually like really precisely done yeah it's yeah. it's as someone who grew up building those kind of machines and like building quadcopters and helicopters and airplanes mm-hmm. and stuff it's just ridiculous to see like even if you like go to Costco and look at like a, you know, a new D- DJI like drone and like they're like 500 bucks and like the quality of the camera on them and like how good they are at holding position and finding waypoints and you can connect to it with your phone. I mean, it's just really, really cool. So um, it's amazing to see where that technology is coming. That's just like consumer grade. That's not even talking about like what's available to industry where they can spend tens of thousands of dollars on things. Right. Right. So kind of like a, a, a segue to another area that you know green energy and industry 4.0 are linking up is kind of a classic industry 4.0 thing like iot smart sensors like when uh wind turbines were first being constructed whatever you know 15 20 years ago as michael was saying sensors like that small enough and efficient enough weren't available so now we have that technology to implement and install those on new wind turbines so we can see you know first off just how how much energy we're collecting you know what areas might need maintenance sooner than later. And so that's kind of a kind of a no-brainer in the, if you're thinking about, oh, how how would green energy, solar, and you know, wind use all these new technologies that we essentially link to industry 4.0 smart sensors. So that's kind mm-hmm. of a I don't really have a, much to say on that besides like, yeah, that makes sense. Like there's sensors mm-hmm. now being installed on all these new pieces of equipment and those help us to capture more energy than maybe we had 10 or 15 years ago. You've maybe seen something like this before, right? Is like when you take, when you're designing a new product and you want to understand how the stresses and strains and everything and like cyclical loading affect something, you might Mm. build like a prototype and then you'll actually go and you'll um, use like little Kapton tape um, strain sensors and you'll like tape them onto or like glue them onto like the thing you want to test and then you'll go put it in the lab and cycle test it or whatever. Mm. And what you would do with that is you'd want to see like that your FEA models and all your math was lining up and looking correct and that everything was deforming the way that you thought it would. Um, Well, the interesting thing is because those kind of sensors are so cheap 
And when you get into like, you know, industry 4.0 manufacturing, where you could have robots just installing that kind of stuff, like right into the laminate, um, you could like literally, while you're, you know, laying up the carbon fiber structures or fiberglass structures that are going into these type of systems, you can just lay those sensors directly into the structure and have the wires Mm -hmm. running or they can be, you know, um, basically a radio frequency harvesting systems that don't need a battery and don't need wires. They just can ping data wirelessly from the structure. And you could have hundreds of these sensors along the length of a blade of a wind turbine. And that can all be pinging data, you know, about the strain and stress that's going on in that wind turbine. Um, yeah. And so they're using that data to, you know, predict failure and to work on maintenance plans, but they're also using it to like continue optimizing blade design. Right. So you'll, if you've ever looked into wind turbine design, like they keep making them bigger and bigger and they, and the wing structure keeps changing or like the, the blade structure keeps changing. Oh, okay. And that's because they keep learning about like how turbulence from different, like in different regions affects how the blades turn and how efficient they are and stuff. Right. It's yeah. actually really interesting, but like what they're finding is the bigger you can make the wind turbine, the more efficient it is. And that's what, like what they're, so that's why like, the turbines are getting bigger and bigger and they want to put them in the ocean so they can make them even bigger um, yeah. and get higher up in the air. So um, kind of interesting stuff, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that it's kind of like, you know, the multiple generations that it takes to get to having really good wind turbines. It's not like the next generation is going to include, you know, even better design and all these connected sensors and stuff to uh, keep helping design better ones and also to predict like if they're going to fail or how they're doing if they need maintenance, right? So, and like not to get political or anything, but it honestly blows my mind that people could be against renewables. It just doesn't make any sense to me because it's just <laughs> literally, it's like, you know, whatever, quote unquote free. Like we don't do anything to make wind. It's just there. You know, the sun comes up every day. It's just there. So it yeah. literally blows my mind that this isn't something that everyone is on. Yeah. The only thing we got to figure out is a storage problem. I mean, that's the, like literally the only problem we'll have to figure out. Like, We've already got oh. the, the cost per kilowatt there. Yeah. The problem is you'll always hear is like, well, the wind, what about when the wind doesn't blow and when the sun doesn't shine kind of thing? And it's like, well, it's true. So they're working on all kinds of crazy. Maybe we should do a, a whole episode on like storage, like storage systems. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of content on YouTube about like, you know, um, liquid salt batteries and like they're, they're talking about doing like these crazy like space age flywheels where like they spin up like, like levitated carbon fiber, like, masses you know these like flywheels essentially and they spin them up like super duper fast Whoa. and they store like a ton of energy in them like in a vacuum yeah it's really cool Jeez. Um, so they're coming up with all these crazy ways other than batteries to other than lithium polymer batteries but right um, pumped hydro hydro is a big one but but yeah that's one of the big picks on it um but you know it's just it's uh it's just different <laughs> and right. it's it's job change which is scary you know for someone living in west virginia right it's very different right it's a way of life and but then even then i'm like yeah these energy companies should be trying to pivot and just kind of slowly over time instead of fixing all the you know whatever coal stuff start just kind of you know moving it along out you know out to pasture and filling those spots those jobs with the green stuff but again i'm not i'm honestly not trying to get anything (laughs) political it's just it's just an interesting topic in my head that i think about probably too often yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's an interesting thought experiment for sure and then you always got to talk about AI when you when you get into Industry 4.0 and how is AI affecting all this, right? Um, so we found some interesting articles talking about individuals using kind of like what we talked about from that AI episode, using those neural nets and things to do. So now you've got all these sensors all over the place, right? You got drones flying around, taking pictures with cameras and yep. all this data coming in. And then 
they're using AI systems to comb through all this data and figure out like, okay, what was going on in that cloud of data that would have, that correlates and would have pointed to and predicted failure for us. And that's what they're doing with these AI systems now is that what they're trying to do is say, okay, we've collected all this data. Can we actually just figure out, you know, how a turbine or solar panel fails and then mm-hmm. we can just cr- write an equation basically and we don't only have to measure you know these variables or we know that well when this and this and this happens to a solar panel over its lifetime we know it's going to fail at you know x time or whatever or you got to do this maintenance so interesting that they're they're able to keep working on like preventatives um, and not needing to put those kind of sensors into the structure at all it's almost like they're trying to collect data and just look, like run a big science project on all the turbines out there right now. And then they're going to learn tons about it. And then when they go to design that next generation of equipment, it's like they might not even need all those sensors because they learned everything about like, you know, real world testing of these systems for a long time. Um, you know, they, they might actually be able to produce them for lower cost and still get all the benefits of it. Right. Right. Like, like in my head, I'm like, man, if solar power or solar panels are collecting even like weather data or there's like a weather Mm -hmm. uh, data collection space right there on site and you take all that information on okay like this day we're getting we're x percent efficient in capturing energy from the sun well you know temperature pressure something's happened and the next day it was lowered because of i don't know dust or something like that and you use Mm -hmm. that information right like what you were saying to how can we prevent this failure like this lowering of efficiency the next time we see those kind of data points come through and i don't know if that's like a automated protection uh system on uh solar panels like sliding gates or something like that but like yeah that'd be cool it's just or like it's it just, just pitches out the drones go out and like clean up after a yeah, like, storm yeah or something. Like, an automated response team of drones yeah i don't know yeah it's just yeah. the the uh possibilities are literally endless in like continuous improvement and yep just yeah big da- big data kind of what we were talking about ai and that is interesting it's like it's almost like there's there's too many things to do it's like the, yeah like <laughs> you're limited by your imagination almost. And then you like yeah. the cost of certain things, you know, like uh, to yeah. build, whatever, you just gotta but. like pick what is, where should we start? Right. You know, it's, yeah. it's so many different technologies and so many different things all trying to come together and work together to um, create a web or a system that is better than the one we already have. And it's like mm-hmm. the, the only challenge, like you said, is your imagination and like figuring out what the best, you know, bang for your buck project is first. Right. I mean, that's, that's really the problem with industry right now is there's just, you know, and there's so many little startups that are all trying their own thing, right? There's yeah. a, a bunch of, you know, good, good looking slick tear CEOs that are out there all trying to sell their, their company and their solution, right? Until, you know, convince you that they're the, the one you should invest in. So um, yeah. it's a cool space. There's a ton of, I mean, there's a ton of jobs in it. You really can't go wrong if you're <laughs> looking for an industry to get into. I mean, um, it's definitely the way of the future and it's just, it's only going to keep growing. So um, it's gonna be exciting to keep up with it, though, for sure. I've I've definitely enjoyed. I mean, that's a lot of my a lot of my YouTube content is keeping up with you know energy storage systems and how batteries are doing and um, you know what the latest and greatest is on solar panels and wind turbines and you know thorium thorium reactors. I mean, that's another big topic. I'm always- <laughs> I will need to look into those things because most of quite a few of those words went over my head. <laughs> thorium. Oh my gosh. Thorium reactors, man. Lifters. Look into it. We need to. That needs to be what the u.s gets into but i digress not popular okay, right we'll, now. we'll put it on the docket for a future episode <laughs> thorium next episode next episode yeah. uh, the the last topic i wanted to cover in this episode was 
just kind of like sustainable manufacturing. And this goes back to, again, IoT smart sensors, putting these throughout your manufacturing process and putting sensors on you know, electric motors and belts and all these different things that you need in a manufacturing facility. For example, just what can you do to save money, right? Like how can we trim off some of our utility costs? Like that's a simple thing that we can now track Mm -hmm. how much energy we're consuming with different motors and, you know, the lights on high efficiency things. And I know at a company I was at previously, there was a huge movement to, you know, get solar in, you know, we had facilities in Texas and New Mexico and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like that's like no brainer kind of things where these redeemables will greatly decrease our utility costs and stuff like that. So again, that's just kind of a brief, um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but you know, again, we're talking about our sensors and big data and how can we make smart yeah. decisions to save money. And one of the things is like we've struggled with at at um, the company I work with is like you know, one we're in Wisconsin, so you know, mm-hmm. so, solar and wind isn't super lucrative, right? It doesn't, yeah. it's not, it doesn't work out super well. And I think we do kind of have a blended like our energy plant. You can kind of look at like where does your energy come from. Right? Oh, yeah. I think it's a blend between like natural gas and solar and stuff. But, you know, one of the things is, is like the energy cost is so cheap and it, it's hard to justify investing into the solar panels because it's like, OK, well, we spend a couple million dollars to, you know, put in the solar panels. on our, We got to reinforce the roof because it's a, a cheap paper thin roof. Right. So you got to infrastructure right. upgrade and then put the solar panels on. Um, and then your energy cost goes from, you know, 11 cents a kilowatt hour to six cents a kilowatt hour. And it's like, okay, well, it's going to take 35 years to pay right. off your couple million dollar investment. And it's like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's not like um, a three year ROI or anything. It's cor- yeah, correct. So it's, it's a super, you know, and they're like, well, the, the government's not subsidizing it enough. And it's like, well, you should just do it. We should just do it because it's the right thing to do. But I right. get it. It's a business. Um, yeah. The, the, the goal of the business is to make money. So, you know, got to think about that. Um, but you know, one thing I think would be a good way to incentivize that is to um, you can actually like source your, you can like elect to source your energy from renewables, and it's at a higher cost, right? You know, it'll cost more per kilowatt hour, but um, it actually that money is going into building out those those local solar farms and um, you know uh, wind turbine farms and things like that. So you're actually yeah. investing into that stuff, but also. So if you double your energy cost, or let's just pretend it's double or triple or whatever, now you might have more of an incentive to, um, you know, if you go back to your finance team and you say, okay, well now when we, we invest a million dollars, but we're going to save, you know, 90% or 95% on our energy cost because, you know, we decided as a company, you know, at, per ESG goals, we're going to get right. into, um, we're going to, you know, source all of our electric, 100% renewable energy, right? We're going to be a carbon neutral business. Then that kind of opens the door for um, looking at, you know, those infrastructure upgrades because it's like, well, now, you know, now it's a 10 year payoff instead of a 30 year payoff. And it's like, okay, maybe that's something that you could actually consider. But the problem is when energy is so cheap and subsidized from, you know, just running on uh, oil and gas and fossil fuels in general, it's tough to get that investment to actually like beat it someone has to invest the money somewhere whether it's the you know the the power company or it's you um right or your company putting solar panels on the roof or whatever it is right you know and you can always just be like the the local college they put up one turbine and the cafeteria runs on the turbine it's like okay that's kind of cool but that's not 
that's not all the student housing and all the buildings mm-hmm. and everything. That's those are two totally different things. That's millions of dollars to make that happen. So those are some ideas on I guess how I've tried to think about solving that problem because you know, and same thing if you're looking at putting solar panels on your house. You know, it's $30,000 to redo your roof, right? And it's like, well, <laughs> that's kind of a lot of money. And, you know, my my energy bill is not that expensive, right? It's, it's, it would take a long time to pay that off. Now, is it the right thing to do? Probably, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, I just, I think that's something that, that could be one way to incentivize it though, is like do more of a carbon tax kind of situation where like you right. are actually paying for the externalities that we don't pay for right now, right? Like all that CO2 being emitted, we don't, Right now, it's just considered like it just goes in the air and no one pays for it, right? Like no one has to deal with it um, except yeah. for climate change, right? But, <laughs> right, yeah. It's, um, it's coming around. Charging over. for what it would take to pull that out or, you know, the equivalent of a, um, an energy generation source that doesn't produce that carbon or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I think that would be one way to help push, you know, make the, the business math work out on those investments. So kind of a long-winded answer, but I think that explains why. You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, solar panels great. You know, wind turbines are awesome or I'd love to, you know, do a green energy source, but it costs more. You know, I I don't want to spend I don't want my energy bill to triple, you know, or double or whatever it is, you know, either. So uh, but if if you just forced everyone's hand, like, okay, energy is just actually going to be charged what it costs to clean up all the carbon. It's like, okay, well, now the, you know. Now renewables are way cheaper, right? Um, Now it's a lot cheaper. And actually, it's even cheaper to go, you know, go buy my own system, you know, and install it, right? Um, I think that's the only way to get, like, mass adoption in a capitalist system, right? Um, Yeah, I would agree. So, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one, though. And I think as we move forward in the future and, you know, investors are more and more tough on companies to do those sorts of things, I think we're going to start seeing those kind of activities happen more often. So, yeah, I sure hope so. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Love to love to see let's go see the coral reef someday and you know, hopefully right. they're not bleached completely bleached by the time I get there. But well, thank you for sticking around in this episode about green energy and how it kind of links to industry 4.0 and different aspects. Uh, as always, you know, leave a review, share with your friends if this is something that you think that they would find interesting as well. We're always trying to find different uh, ways to grow our audience and to you know, provide quality content that people enjoy. Seriously. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, uh, I'll do a plug from a recent in-person review that I got of the podcast. And I was told, quote, it's actually pretty good. I enjoy <laughs> listening to it in the car. And I'm like, wow, that was, that was a really, that was a high, high marks right there. So definitely if, if, if that can talk you into sharing this with your friends, family, wherever, um, I don't know what else will. So And so, as always, if you have any thoughts or recommendations on things we should talk about or the things talked about during today's episode, shoot us an email at forthefuturepod at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R, thefuturepod at gmail.com. We'd love love to hear from you. So until next time, thank you. See you next time.